that you have given us as a congregation resources and a spirit to reach out to the little ones, to support the little ones and to support those who are able to help them. Father, I pray that you would cast out our fears, cast out our anger, cast out our worry, and teach us how to step out of the boat and to trust in you. And Father, I pray that you would bless any who are here today who can respond to a call of need. I pray that you would bless us all to see how we, your children in this world, can be a source of light where there is darkness. Father, we pray this in the name of our Lord and our King, Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the reasons that we spend time focusing on the fact that Jesus Christ is our King and that He rules in this world in a very real way is because there is darkness in this world. And in, the, and in that darkness, you and I need to remember that we have a king who can lead us out of that darkness, who can combat and overcome the darkness. Today, I can, the best thing I can do is affirm many of the things that you've seen and heard from others today. And I want to begin that by reading Scripture that has been mentioned already. From Matthew 19. Some children were brought to Jesus so that He could lay His hands on them and pray for them. And the disciples told them not to bother Jesus. But Jesus said, Permit the children to come to Me. Don't forbid them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And He put His hands on their heads and blessed them before He left. Now, as we've said before, some of that little stuff that we call little stuff that goes on in the Gospels, it's really kingdom stuff. And isn't it interesting that in this very familiar scene, there's, there's talk of the kingdom. You know, just by default, we think about this and we think, Jesus blesses children. We know that. We like that. There is a lot of artwork, and you know I'm a fan of religious artwork. And I'm going to say some things that may sound irreverent, and I am not being irreverent or making fun of Jesus, certainly not, because he's the king. But I am going to criticize some art, okay? Um, Most of our artwork is similar to this. It's very sentimental. I mean, there's a scene there with Jesus and all of these little kids. I mean, I think, look at this one here. I think this is Holly Hobby. And uh, there's a throwback for some of you. Everybody's very well behaved. Uh, It's a little house on the prairie. Jesus is so nice. Everybody's got smiles on their face. Except this guy. I think he's upset that this kid cut in line. uh, But it looks like a Sunday school class. Here's Jesus on the California coast. And uh, it's it's a very sound of music scene. Jesus just met three little American kids, and um, so he even has a mullet um, for the occasion. I'm not making fun of the Lord, I'm making fun of the art, okay? But you know, even if we change the ethnicities, still we have that sentimental, sweet image 
Here Jesus glows, and there are angels. We always like to put angels in the scene with kids. But everybody's happy. Everybody's smiling. It's all just so very, very happy and sentimental. But I apologize if I'm being too cynical, but I do want to point something out. Have you noticed that there's something wrong with these pictures? I mean, if we're talking about that scene in the Gospels, there's something missing, isn't there? If you haven't thought about it, then I hope you'll think about it now. What is missing? Well, those scenes are very static. They're like magazine advertising. It's just an image. It doesn't really do anything. It's just a print. It's, it's static. But when you think about the biblical story, there's a narrative, there's a story, something happens, there's tension, there's drama, there's something awkward. There are points of tension in the text. In those three simple verses from Matthew 19 that we read, there is such intensity in those three verses, and it's missing from the sentimental images of Jesus just smiling and blessing children. If I can criticize art, I can praise art. And I stumbled across a 19th century painter named Carl Block. And I think he has it in this picture. Carl Block can, can paint a stare. And uh, I, I think he's figured something out. And if, if Eugene Peterson can write the message in his own paraphrase, I can write my own too. And I look at this picture and I imagine, and you see Jesus in this picture and he's turning around and he's looking at one of his disciples in the orange robe. And the thing Jesus is saying in my mind is he's just looking at him and he's saying, hey, what are you doing? And the disciple says, well, all these people, they, they, keep, bringing, they keep bringing kids. And I, I told them they need to go away because we're busy. And Jesus says, don't do that. And the disciple says, yeah, but look, we don't really have time for this. I mean, and some of these kids, I mean, they're weird and they smell bad. And I mean, look at this kid right here. He's just wearing his bed sheet. I mean, there's, come on. Jesus says, you will allow the children to come in and be blessed. You do not have the authority to forbid them. And this is kingdom business because they are part of the kingdom. That's what I think of when I see that picture. Maybe I just should have stopped it. Hey, what are you doing? Don't do that. But isn't that what the text is saying? The scripture is saying, stop forbidding this kingdom business. You great disciples who think you've got it all together, you don't know what the kingdom business is. So what is this? why is this tension in the text? Why is this conversation between Christ and his disciples who are getting it wrong? Why is it there? What is it teaching us about the kingdom? It's not just a happy little pleasant tableau where Jesus blesses kids. Let me read another verse that goes along with this in Matthew 18. And I think we'll see what the kingdom word is when it comes to children and what's happening. This is from Peterson's translation of the Bible. Matthew 18, the first verse, starts out and says, At the same time the disciples came to Jesus asking this question, Who gets the highest rank in the kingdom? Who gets the highest rank in the kingdom? Who is the greatest in the kingdom? Who's most important? For an answer, Jesus called over a child, a little child, 
He stood this child in the middle of the room and he said, I'm telling you once and for all that unless you return to square one and start over like children, you're not even going to get a look at the kingdom, let alone get in. Whoever becomes simple, whoever becomes basic again, like this child, will rank high in God's kingdom. What's more, when you receive the childlike on my account, it's the same as receiving me. But if you give them a hard time, bullying, taking advantage of them, taking advantage of their simple trust, you'll soon wish you hadn't. You'd be better off dropped in the middle of a lake with a millstone around your neck. One of the things that we're taught about the kingdom in these interactions concerning children and Jesus is that the greatest in the kingdom of heaven are those that we often overlook and consider the least. Now this picture of Jesus and children is very different than some of those others. I wonder why. Well, first of all, it's not just Jesus smiling and being nice. It's not a political photo op. Jesus is doing what he does in other very religious scenes and paintings. This, you know that this is familiar to you because you're seeing the Last Supper in this. And these children are very real looking. They're not just Bible time kids dressed up for VBS. In fact, the, 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 the artist here based the children off of real children in the streets of Manila who are hungry, who are starving. And Jesus is there with them. It's somewhat reminiscent of Jerry's story about the man from China who's a leader in the church. The, the, the man who was there for the, the, the Kool-Aid and the cookies. But in that simplicity, in that simple need, like the children who are basically in need in this county, they are met by Jesus. Why? Because even the least, even the littlest ones are of value in the kingdom. And for the disciples of Jesus to be asking questions, who is the greatest in the kingdom? We're asking the wrong question is what Jesus is saying. One of the things that we learn in these interactions is that to enter the kingdom, we must become humble. We must become powerless, not proud, not focusing on our rank and on our status and on our accomplishments. In the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the little ones, even the little ones, even the weak, not just children, but the weak, anybody is valued. We see a further comparison, as we've already seen before, between the kingdoms of this world and the kingdoms of heaven. And then in the kingdom of Caesar, it was fighting, it was military force, it was might that made right. And any kingdom that is more powerful than the kingdom that comes before it, that kingdom becomes right because of their force, because of their strength. But Jesus said the kingdom of heaven, its way is the way of truth. And it does not have to use force. The kingdom of heaven has force and has power and has strength available to it. But the way of the kingdom of heaven is truth. Likewise, in the kingdoms of the world, rank and respect and power or what we focus on. When Jesus brings a little child in front of his disciples, it's not a sentimental moment. He's saying to them, and they would understand this in their culture, children are the least important people in this culture. They have no rights. They they are dependent upon others. 
And, there, and, and just as there is today, but it's even worse, there can be a lot of abuse. They can be taken advantage of, and they have no recourse to power. They have, they have no option to establish themselves as authority. But Jesus turns everything upside down and says, the weakest one in your culture, that is the one that matters in the kingdom of heaven. It turns our ideas of rank upside down. But let me ask you this, church. How many times do we play games, even in the church of Christ, even in the kingdom of God, how many times do we play games over who outranks who? And we have our hierarchies, and we have our structures, and we have our titles. I'll tell you what I do for a living, that I'm a minister. I mean, if you introduce me to people, but one of the reasons I don't, I don't, I don't even care for titles is because you know, whether it's pastor, minister, doctor, whatever it is, is because Jesus Christ, my king, is telling me the only title that matters around here is king, and you're just a servant, and I'm happy with that. And if people need more than that, I can't give it to them. There you go. But we struggle with it. We struggle with it because we're a kind of people who like to know who's in charge, who outranks who. Who deserves respect? Who deserves power? But that's not the way of the kingdom. The way of the kingdom is to trust in the king. The way of the kingdom is to be humble. One of the reasons that we are baptized to enter into the kingdom of heaven is because in baptism you have to humble yourself. You have to become like a little child. You you are born again like a child. How many of you played a role in your own birth physically? If you did, I really want to talk to you because you've got a story to tell. But, you know, it is a, telling the doctor, yeah, on the behind right there, give me a slap. But the, uh, I mean, what do you, it doesn't work that way. We're dependent, we're helpless. That's what it is about human beings. And when we enter into the kingdom of heaven, we're saying to the king, I cannot do this on my own. You are the one that must save me. We are surrendering. We are submitting ourselves. And we are becoming humble. And by the way, this is why Christianity has been and continues to be offensive in many parts of the world. It was offensive in the Roman Empire. It was criticized as being a weak religion of women and slaves. And that no man with respect, rank, and power would dare humble himself. Sadly, you know what the church has done throughout history and in different parts of the world? They've cleaned it up. They've made it into a religion with titles and authority and respect. We've turned it into a place where, well, well, guess what? We will be respectable and we will exalt the people of this world. And that's a mistake. Because when you do that, you're ignoring the fact that this is a monarchy We have one king, everyone else, we're all servants of one another. And God gives different roles. He he gives apostles. I know, you're saying, but wait a second, didn't the Bible have a lot of titles? I mean, what about shepherds and elders and bishops and apostles and evangelists and all that? Hmm? Read Ephesians 4, read 1 Corinthians 12. What's the function of those different roles? To build up the body. Not so that you can get a diploma on your wall. Not so that you can get a star. Not so that you can get a badge. It's to build up the body. Christ distributes those gifts. He gives those functions. He gives those those abilities. 
not to exalt those people, but to build up the body. I've noticed this myself. When my preaching is focused on me, it goes bad. But when my preaching is focused on building up the body, it becomes God's work, and it's yours. And I pray, and I ask that you pray, that I will always do that. But likewise, let us pray for one another. Because when we focus on the things of the kingdom of the world, and we bring it into the church, wrong way, what happens is that's that's the way that conflict and fear and abuse enter into the kingdom of heaven. But those same things in the kingdom of the world are what lead to fear and conflict and abuse. Disrespect of others. Focusing on demanding respect from others. So before we think that the kingdom of the world has something to teach the kingdom of heaven, and and if there's one concept that I really truly hope that we can weed out of our thinking, is that that somehow the kingdoms of the world, that the church needs to take a page from their book. You know, if we would understand how worldly institutions and, you know, they they may have the wrong cause, but they might have the right ideas. Friends, the church doesn't need to take, the kingdom of God doesn't need to take a page out of the kingdom, book of the kingdoms of the world. Rather, the kingdoms of the world need to take pages out of the book of the kingdom of heaven. That's the way it needs to be. We have something to share with the world, not the other way around. So I hope that this reinforces some of the things that we've discussed today. Since we've looked at pictures, we'll conclude with one. Here's one. This is a stock image that I came up with. Because it gets to that whole thing, you know, we've talked about Jesus, talking about the greatest and blessing children. But then he has that millstone comment. Yeah, what about that millstone comment? Well, once again, when Jesus is talking about the little ones, he's not saying that the little ones are somehow inherently righteous and angelic. That's part of that sentimental portraiture that we're used to. This is obviously a real photo. It's one I stumbled across in stock imagery. And, you know, you got these two little kids right here. And I don't know. This is so old. They're, they're, they're probably my age or older now. And um, I don't know anything about them. Maybe you recognize them. Um, I don't know. I don't know where this came from. But um, probably. You know, for all I know, those uh, two kids in that picture are brats. Um, you know, you look at it and you say, oh, how sweet. They're, they look so nice. They're dressed so nice. They're kind of cute and they're smiling. You know, for all you know, the little guy there, he absconded with his sister's doll and, you know, shot it up with a BB gun and she's held it against him his whole life. That's a hypothetical story, by the way. I don't know where that was coming from. The, um, you know, they might be annoying. They might be terrible. That's not the point that Jesus is making. The point that Jesus is making, he's saying, if if you can't focus on those who have need, then you don't understand the kingdom of heaven. As he told his disciples, I'm telling you once and for all, if you can't become like those who are dependent upon God, if you can't spend that time with those who are dependent upon God, if you're seeking your own status and your own rank and being served, then you do not understand the kingdom of heaven. I've been blessed to spend time with some of the little ones. Just today, had some of them asking me some questions. 
And I'm telling you, as busy as I am here on Sunday morning, the thing I hate most is feeling distracted. But here's what keeps me in check. Is that when I say, if I were to ever say to these you know, they may be annoying. They, I'm not saying any of them are annoying, but you know, if they are, if, they, if they're in my way and they're in the way of all of my work and all of the stuff that I have to do and I somehow can't make time for them, then I hear Christ saying, here's your millstone. You get it? Go ahead. Because the millstone, the point of the millstone is you would rather dismiss or disrespect or cause one of these weak ones to stumble then maybe you'd better just wrap a millstone around your neck and jump into a lake because you're going to be better off in that state than when you have to face the judgment of the king. That's a harsh word. It's not very sentimental, is it? But that just goes to show that the king is very serious about his kingdom. And we need to keep that in mind. Baptism is a door into the kingdom in which we humble ourselves, and then when we get through that door, we are called the children of God. He is our Father. We are His children. And that's the way we ought to think about ourselves. In Romans 12, Paul says, no one should think that he or she is more important than they really are. That's one of the kingdom lessons that we learn. But that doesn't mean that we need to develop a low self-esteem or some sort of neurosis where we think horrible things about ourselves. Instead, we ought to think about who we really are, and who we really are is we're the children of God. That is, on the one hand, both humbling, but also very important, and very rewarding, and very encouraging. As we stand and sing this uh, song, Shepherds. Shepherds. God gives the church shepherds because he wants us to care for one another. And he gives shepherds watch over the souls of people. Shepherds are are just like the people that we've talked about today. At one time, they were blessed as children. Or somebody shared God's word with them. And now they return that. So when you see our shepherds here, when you go and meet with them in room 100, any of our ministers, any, any of the, 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 the good people of this congregation who've lived a few years, you need to understand that they're there because God wants us to give watch over the souls of others. That means encouraging people. So we create this moment. We, we, we set aside this opportunity where we can give that encouragement or we can say that the door into the kingdom of heaven, to enter into the kingdom of heaven. You don't come through me. You don't come through any of the shepherds. You don't come through anybody in this church. You don't come through a committee or a board. You come through Jesus Christ the King because He's the one that invites. And He invites you to become like a little child and enter into His kingdom. So let's stand. Let's sing this song. If we can encourage you in any way, we're going to be very open and real about it right now.